the, uh, the shoes up, please. Someone took a photograph last week. The meeting ended with people exchanging their shoes for gospel feet. Here's some of the shoes. You may recognize yours amongst them. There was other ones around there, and I don't know whether you put your own shoes back on and took someone else's that you fancied. I don't know. But it was a good response. People came forward and said, I want to exchange my shoes in exchange for gospel feet. And that's, that's our destiny as a town is gospel feet. First in the natural, we've had the Britain shoe in this place, and now it's time for the spiritual, it's time for gospel feet. And God wants his whole church to have gospel feet. And if you're a Christian here today, God wants you to have gospel feet. Isn't that good? And gospel feet will be better looking than your natural feet. So if you don't like the look of your natural feet, look at your gospel feet. Good looking feet. So I just want you to read from Luke chapter 4 and Isaiah 61. Luke chapter 4 is actually, it comes from Isaiah 61, but it's Jesus in the New Testament read this out. Verse 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's every kind of poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In Isaiah 61, it goes on to say further, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, that's when Jesus returns, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the law that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. Now Isaiah 61, part of its fulfillment was that when the exiles came back from Babylon, when Israel was coming back from Babylon, but its ultimate fulfillment is found in Christ and the church. So it's for us. We are called to repair the cities. That's us. This town, this city of Northampton, we are called to repair it. And it is repairing. And you know, when Jesus stood up in the synagogue and he read from Isaiah 61, he then boldly said, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. That was a bold statement. He not only said that, but there's a very, very clear definition of his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach, etc., etc. That was a very clear definition of the ministry of Jesus. That was also the ministry for his disciples, and it was also the very same ministry for the early church. And it's the very same ministry for the church today. It hasn't changed. We are called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and the early church. That is our ministry, Luke 4.18, Isaiah 61. That's what we are called to walk in today. To get the gospel of the kingdom, good news. And hey, this world needs some good news, does it not? In fact, we spoke to someone yesterday, the guy who was building our ports. He said he stopped reading newspapers and things two years ago because he just got fed up with continual bad news. So he stopped doing it. And we are living in a world filled with bad news and negative stuff. Actually, when you look around, the world is better off today than it's ever been in history. 
But you wouldn't think that when you listen to the media. So we are to be bearers of good news in every way. And we'll hear about some of that a little bit later. Because we are the church. And we've got to bring the good news of the kingdom of God. You see, the church in the beginning was a very, very evangelistic church. In Acts 2, it talks about, you know, we remember the day of Pentecost, when 3,000 were saved in a day. But in Acts 2, it goes on to say, and people are being saved daily and being added to the church. People saved daily, wouldn't you like that? Daily and being added to the church. Now, if people were being saved daily and added to the church, someone must have been preaching the good news. Mustn't they? That makes sense to me. Someone must have been preaching the good news if people were being added daily to the church. When you look at revival in church history, evangelism becomes important again. Winning people to Christ then becomes important. When people are touched afresh with the love of God, they're not just concerned about themselves, but they're concerned about those that don't yet know Jesus Christ. You see, at the end of the day, what really matters is this. When someone is lying on a deathbed, are they saved or are they not saved? Are they a sheep or are they a goat? That's the ultimate thing. In the light of eternity, that's what matters. And we say to Nick and Helen when her sister died, praise God she's a Christian. She's going to be with Jesus for eternity. That matters. If you've ever been there when somebody's been in a deathbed, where they're going when they die matters. There's a heaven, there's a hell. So the issue is, the eternal issue is this, who am I, why am I here? I mean, praise God, the church today is slowly but surely reaching out more, but there's a lot of room for improvement, isn't there? Well, I think there is. See, the church isn't just here for its own benefit. We're not a stamp club, a golf club, a knitting club, or any other kind of club. We're not a club. We're the people of God. A holy nation. Sons and daughters entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our responsibility. It's not just for the evangelist. We're all called to be witnesses, and we're all called to make Jesus Christ known. All of us. So put away your knitting needles. Are you? Well, finish the jumper then go and get someone saved. It's the best thing, isn't it? See? It's so easy for us within the church to think it's all about us. It's all about me. You know, we're saved, we're healed, we're comforted, and we want to be coddled, and we want to be what it's all about. But it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about those that don't yet know Jesus Christ. You see, we can get healed on the way, but we must be going somewhere. You know, none of us are perfect yet, are we? We're all on a journey to perfection. We won't be perfect till that day when we get our resurrection bodies. Praise God. 
So we're on this journey, we're imperfect people, but we're on a journey, so we don't wait till we're totally healed before we go and try and win people to Jesus or, or to be a blessing to others. We, we, we do it all on the way, we're on a journey. We're not just here to be comforted and coddled. You know, in Matthew 22, where he talks about you know, the great commandments, it says, you're to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. The danger is in the church, we end up loving God, we end up loving ourselves, but we forget about the myth in the middle that says, love your neighbor. We've got to love our neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Person sitting next to you, your family, your work colleague, whatever. It's our neighbor. And I believe that, you know, we said a bit of this last week, but, you know, the river of God is flowing into the sea of mankind. That's where we are. And God is turning his church outwards so that in, in various forms we're taking the gospel out there. And there's different ways in which we can do this. We're called to love our neighbor as ourselves, And also when you go away back, uh, recognize we're the seed of Abraham. Through Christ we're the seed of Abraham. Abraham was called to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. So are we. You are called to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. I am called to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. How much of a blessing are we being? The gospel's a challenge. It's a bit uncomfortable, actually. I'm preaching to myself. So we are called to the same ministry of Jesus in the early. So what can we do? Does anyone, well, Roger Foster of Ickford's Church a few years ago when the charismatic started, he came out with three W's. Words, works, and wonders. Good, isn't it? I like that. Words, works, and wonders. Something easy to remember. Words, works, and wonders. The words is to stand up for truth and righteousness wherever we are. Be it in a family, be it with our neighbours, be in the work situation. We should be standing up for truth and righteousness because what comes out of our mouth matters. It can change people's lives. I'll just give you a bit of testimony here. I'll give you the, I'll give you the kind of negative bit before you get the positive bit. When the, this is when we lived in Wellmer years ago, where this old car and the the, the Exhaust box broke off. Just so I was passing a police car. Very inconvenient. So the police stopped me. And you get so many days to take your license and your insurance down the police station. Five days, I think it was. When I got out my insurance, it was two months out of date. I don't, I'd missed the renewals, whatever I did. My insurance was two, it was two months out of date. So I got three points my license. few months after that I went to hire a van and I went to this company and one of the questions asked me said do you have a clean license immediately I said yes three times they asked me if I had a clean license three times I said yes after the third time I went outside and said God how could I do that honesty was my greatest strength he said that's exactly why you fell son so when I was brought up as a child, I was brought up to be honest. Even if you make mistakes or do things wrong, just be honest about it. That's the way I was brought up. 
And so I've always thought, I could never lie on it because I'm honest. That's my greatest strength. And I caught myself three times. Three times saying yes when I should have said no. Amazing, isn't it? So God just showed me. Down I came. Pride before the fall and all that stuff. I was dishonest. Because I said yes three times. On the positive side. I don't know it was a couple of years later maybe. When uh, when we came out of social work, I went driving for a while. And I was driving for this boot and shoe company in Rushton. And I'd only been there an hour. And I walked in the boss's office. There was three or four other people there. And there was these telephone conversations with the boss and with other people and all these things. And I knew what, we, what, we, what was being said was just a pack of lies. And he turns around to me because I was going to this place where the person who was speaking on the telephone was. And he said to me, Brian, I want you to go there and I want you to say this, 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 this to them. I thought, that's another lie. I just heard you say all this stuff. I said, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I'll work hard for you, but I will not lie for you. And then it was like gunfighters. I was stood there. Our eyes were locked. Can you play that? You've got to get this. Music maestro. Have you ever seen spaghetti westerns? Have you ever seen it? I was stood there like this, looking the boss now. He's looking me in the eye. Who's going to flinch first? We're both stood like that ready for the guns. And it was like that for about 20 seconds. And I'm thinking, I've lost my job. What's he going to do? But praise God, he blinked first. <laughs> and he said, Brian, I'm so sorry. I should never have asked you to do that. Business has turned me into a liar. Please just carry on with your job. I went out, I thought, oh, thank you, God. I thought I'd lost my job. I'd only just started. I'd only been working for an hour. But you see, one of them, I thought of this great strength, and things come out of my mouth I didn't mean, but the next time I was standing up for righteousness and truth. That had an effect upon that guy. It lasted all in all probably about two or three minutes. That had an effect upon that guy. Because the words that came out of my mouth and that light in me pierced his darkness and he felt guilty. Every time I saw him after that, I could tell the guy felt guilty. The light in me pierced his darkness. That we can stand up for righteousness and truth. It will have an effect. See, sometimes we can get into conversation with work colleagues and other people and we sit silent when things are being said. When really we should be speaking up. Now, we need wisdom in this because sometimes it's best to sit silent. But other times we should be speaking up and we know in here we should be speaking up but we don't. I would encourage you, speak up. God will honor you. When you stand up for righteousness, the kingdom advances. So through the words that we speak, we can have an effect upon people's lives. We can also speak love and encouragement in people's lives. Don't people need it? I mean, when Alice and I go about, whether it's, you know, whether it's Tesco's, whatever it is, we try and make people smile or we say something to bless them. Or, you know, if you go out somewhere, when the waiters and waitresses come, I mean, they take a lot of stick from but we try to bless them. We try to encourage them. We try to speak words of love to them. We try to do them good. That's something we can do in advance of the kingdom of God. 
In fact, some places we go now, people keep coming back to us because they want to talk to us. And all that we've done is trying to encourage them and love them. Very simply. You're doing a great job. I mean, our builder at the moment loves being with us. He gets all these cups of teas and little chats and all these wonderful chocolate biscuits and things. But he loves being with us. You can just tell that. And so we should be people that people love being with. You know, they want to be in our company because there's something different about us. So words, we can do it. Works, well, there's lots of ways that we can, you know, express the loving kindness of God, isn't there? Go shopping, cut someone's grass. I'll take a list of those that want to do this for me. Any names? You know, any acts of kindness... It doesn't have to be something big. Actually, it might just be a smile. It might just be a smile. If you walk past the same person day in, day out, they're not smiling. You start smiling. By the end of a week, they'll be smiling back. And it can open up a conversation. I mean, get a dog. Get a dog. I mean, have great conversations. Because dog people, they like to chat. They have great conversations about the dog. About the weather. And then it comes out. Well, what do you do, Brian? Oh, I'm a, I'm a minister. Or whatever, I'm a Christian, whatever. The questions always come. So get a dog. I mean, take, or take your car to walk. If you don't want to get a dog, take your car for a walk. You know, or take your budgie. You know, get your cage. Walk along the pavement. You meet someone. You'll get asked the question. They'll probably say, what on earth are you taking your budgies a walk for? They should be in a lead. But there's things we can do. You know, we're involved in street pastors, school pastors, the family centre organised programmes. The things we can do corporately as well as individually. But the whole idea is it becomes a lifestyle for us. We don't even think about it. It just comes out of us because we're loving people and blessing people. And wonders, well... As you go about your daily business, look for people if they're sick. Well, pray for them. Just bless them. See, even if they don't get healed, they'll feel loved. They'll feel loved. I maybe told you this before, but two or three years ago, we used to have the drums at the end uh, in the summer, serve hot drinks or cold drinks and biscuits and things. And some of the, the, the council workmen had been there with the big grass-cutting machines. And uh, someone went down to get some biscuits down that bottom end. And I went down. And just say to this guy, do you have any pain in your body? He said, yeah, my back's terrible. So I just prayed for him. God healed his back. But what I noticed was this. Tears were flowing down his eyes. I said, can you please tell me why you're crying? He said, because I just feel this wonderful presence all over him. You see, it's to do with the presence. And when an unbeliever tastes the presence of God, they want more. There's something about it that draws them. God kind of woos people and he draws them with his presence. And that's something all of us can do. We just need to have this holy boldness. Not a recklessness, but a loving boldness. Wherever we are, just as we go about our daily business. It's no big deal, is it? So praise God. So I see I'm going to step down and D is now coming up. Is that okay? Actually, this Isaiah 61 is prophetic. Alison's had this in the heart for two or three years. She's carried this scripture. 
And I think it's time for this thing to get released now. So it's up to you, darling. Come and go for it. Say hello to the person next to you. Give them a quick hug and uh, let's connect with one another. If there's nobody next to you, go to the person in front of you or the person behind. But let's everybody get involved in this. We're family. We are family. Hallelujah. Let's bless one another this morning. Glory to God. Eh? Glory. I love to see the family of God loving one another and loving on one another, as they say in America. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Maybe you could do a bit more at the end, eh? Do you know, I believe this morning that there was many ministries fanned into place here in this church this morning. And ministries maybe that were just dying slowly have been fanned back into flame this morning. If that's you, be encouraged. And don't think that's just me. You've heard from God this morning if a ministry has been formed into place this morning. Before I start, yes, if I look a bit tired, it's because Peter and Monica... And Molly wore us out yesterday. They, took, they said, we'll go for a walk with the dogs. My goodness, it was like a 10-mile hike. And then they made us walk back home instead of taking us in their car. I mean, what sort of friends are they, I ask you? <laughs> and then this morning, I put my lovely jacket on. Don't you like my jacket? Well, well some people said yes. Anyway, Brian said it looked like an oven glove. That look like an oven glove, does it? Well, don't say yes, please. So then I thought, we've, we've still got the builders there. I thought, I'll go and ask the builder what he thinks. So I said, Roger. Nigel, sorry, Nigel. Nigel, yeah, I didn't ask Roger. Nigel, I said, this is my new jacket. And Brian says, it looks like an oven glove. What do you think? And he said, well, I would have thought a tea cosy. <laughs> And he said, but you've got to wear something to get a laugh, haven't you? I thought, well, that was nice. I was really encouraged. Yes, I've been very encouraged. So, praise God, eh? Praise God. You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength without any doubt whatsoever. The laughter is a wonderful medicine, I tell you, and I refuse to give it up or grow up or whatever else you do. Anyway, Isaiah 61, Brian read it this morning, and I think we all know it, so I'm not going to read it again. Um, and I just very quickly want to say, well, first of all, I want to say what Isaiah 61 does not say. It doesn't say the spirit of the Lord is only upon the young, nor does it say the spirit of the Lord is only upon the old. The spirit of the Lord is upon all of us. Let's just repeat that after me. The spirit of the Lord is upon all of us. Can we all say that? Oh, I don't think some people spoke then. That was very quiet. Can we do it again? You have to do it very loudly to satisfy me, else we'll be here all day. Okay, one, two, three, go. The Spirit of the Lord. Oh, that's... Wow, that's better. Do you know, and it doesn't say it's only if you're fit and healthy. Because we can witness in doctor surgeries, we can, in hospitals, wherever we are, the Spirit of the Lord is upon all of us. If we want to see Northampton... And the Shire, you know, 
Northampton for the Lord and the Shire for the Lord, all those shoes down the front last week showed that people have a heart for that. They don't want to just have mundane lives. We all want to go about doing good, but sharing the love of Christ with others, don't we? And if we want to do that, if that is our heart, then we'll all get involved in Isaiah 61. I ask you when you get home today to read it and put your name in there. You know, the spirit of the Lord God is upon Alison, and whatever your name is. I don't think it's Alison, but it might be. Nor does it say, just say, this is for the poor and needy only. There's a whole of society that we need to reach. All of society. Rich, poor, and in between. It doesn't say just the poor. And many people, when you're talking about reaching Northampton and and changing Northampton for the Lord, think of the very poor and the needy and the homeless. No, it doesn't say that. Not at all. It doesn't say that. So who are the poor? Well, it could be your next door neighbor. <laughs> Might be my next door neighbor. But if I don't know my neighbor, I certainly won't know that they're poor. And poor doesn't mean just in money. Poor means in every area of life. You know, some people are so poor. They can have no end of money. They can be millionaires, and I'd love to be introduced to them, but there you go. Um, but they're very poor. They can be so poor in their lives, their daily lives. And you don't make the poor. This is a, a, what do you call him, Churchill quote. You don't make the poor richer by making the rich poorer. Think about that. Else we'd all be in a big hole together, wouldn't we? There'd be nobody to help anybody. And you only have to look in the eyes to see a poverty, don't you? Like to see the poor. Will you look in their eyes? Will you look in the eyes? Brian was doing his very good, whatever it was, bit earlier. Looking in the eyes. You look in the eyes of some people. You can see their pain. And our town is full of the broken-hearted, young and old, rich and poor again. Why are they broken-hearted? Well, maybe they're being abused. Maybe they're lonely. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they feel nobody cares. Who cares? And I want to ask the question, will you care this morning? It's only a question you can answer. I can answer that for you. The captives, well, they're just everywhere, aren't they? Captives to drunk, drink, sorry, uh, drugs, abusive relationships, binge drinking, poverty, captives to money, and you could go on and on and on and on. Will you help them find freedom and life, will you? Could you just answer me, will you, loudly? Will you? Yes. Because if we don't, who's going to? You know, who's going to? We don't see the chains that people have round their feet, round their whole bodies. But thousands are bound, aren't they? Need the chains cutting. And again, this is rich and poor. Bound by family honour, some people are, aren't they? Bound by perfectionism, you know, that, that you can be bound by that. Bound by promises. Bound by parents' expectations, young people. You can be bound by all manner of things. Will you carry a chain cutter? Can you answer me every time? Will you carry a chain cutter over there? Good. Very quiet. <laughs> There will always be people mourning because death's part of life, isn't it? You know, and will you be their comfort? 
There are heavy spirits all around us. And many of us on a daily basis know people with a very heavy spirit or we're right beside them. The best dressed person with the biggest car, you know, can have a very heavy spirit and really need our help. The kids at school who seemingly have everything together, they've got the best clothes, real real designer, but they could be in real trouble and really in need of your help and your care and your love. They could be really despairing. They could be feeling hopeless. Will you look around wherever you are, at your work, at school? Could we just try a wee bit harder? Will you look around at your school and at work or wherever you are? Oh, that's better. I like noise. You've probably gathered that. I'm a very noisy individual. Um, Where am I now? I've lost my place now. I've got so caught up in that. Yes, Thursday night. I was at a meeting of school pastors and street pastors, and I think all of us know what they are. I tell you, I was so inspired by these people. And I thought, why? Why would you do that? Why would you go out on a Friday and a Saturday night till 3 o'clock in the morning, cleaning up sick, putting flip-flops on people's feet, stuffing lollipops in their mouths, just generally helping whoever comes before you? Why do they do that? Isaiah 61 tells you why. We only have to read Isaiah 61 and we know why. So then why don't we all do it? That is the question, isn't it? And I just encourage you to search your heart and your soul as to why you wouldn't want to reach out, why you would not want to reach this town that God has put us in so it can be Northampton for the Lord and the Shire. You know, we're a church of, in the main, spirit-filled, born-again Christians. We can become very comfortable. Are you comfortable this morning in your nice, soft seat? We can become spoiled In these four walls, we're safe, aren't we? In the main, we're safe. I don't think anybody's out to hurt us. We can become mollycoddled. I don't know if you all know what that means. We use that expression in Scotland. It's a bit like being spoiled, overly spoiled. But I don't want to look in the eyes of Jesus on that last day and see the many I could have helped. I don't want to do that. So will you be part of Northampton for the Lord? When we were refurbishing this building, well, honestly, I was a bit of a rebel. I said to Brian, I'm not going there. It was horrible. It was all orange, great big orange machines. There was no ceiling. I have never seen anything quite like it. It looked more like a warehouse than anything you've ever seen. And I said to Brian, I cried, actually. And I said, I don't want to go there. It's awful. It's horrible because we came from somewhere really nice. But, you know, once I got a vision for how it could look, things changed. And we had 70-year-olds up ladders painting. We had the young people painting, going for fish and chips. We had amazing fellowship. We worked together and we worked hard because we had a vision of how this place could look. And look at it now. You didn't see it before, but it was ugly, I tell you. It's beautiful now. And that's what we need to have for people. We need to see them as they can be, not as they are. We need to see the difference that we can make in people's lives. eh? Because that's what motivates us. So will you? You're part of the answer? Goodness me, it's getting great. We can and we must make a difference in our world. I've got to make a difference in my world. I can't just sit at home with my knitting 
and I am knitting, Brian. I'm halfway through a jumper. I'm not laying down my knitting needles. But on my gravestone, I don't want it to say, here lies Alison. She was great at gardening. Well, here lies, I mean, I will be, but I don't want it just to say she was great at gardening. She could knit anything. Well, a, a bit of an overstatement. She was good at cooking. She was a homemaker. She really loved her husband and dog. Well, they're all true. I do. <laughs> Especially love my husband and dog. In that order. <laughs> Only just. <laughs> On good days. <laughs> no, what I want it to say is, she laid down a life for many who will now be with their Father in heaven for all time. Don't you want to do that? Wouldn't that be an accolade, eh? Oh, how precious. So, are you with me? Are we going to see Northampton for the Lord? Are we going to get involved in people's lives in a simple way? This is not difficult. You know, I was in Tesco the other day, and the guy at the, the till, I just knew somehow there was something about him. And I, I told him about I'd had a brain tumor. I don't quite know how I got onto that, to be honest, but we did anyway. And I said, you know, without God, I wouldn't be alive. And he said, you've made my day. You have really made my day. And when I left, I said, the Lord bless you. And he said, and the Lord bless you too. Now, he may have been a Christian. I don't know. But the change in his face was awesome. That's what I want to see, don't you? Yeah, that's what we want to see. So praise God. Eh? Let's do it together. Because together... We are good. We are. When we're isolated, it's no good. So let's do it together. Eh? Let's be a family that's known for reaching out in Northampton. Let's be that sort of family. Yes? Great. Well done. Thank you. It's easier than we think, actually. Much easier than we think. Do you know what Spike Milligan had in his epitaph in his gravestone? I, I told you I was sick, yeah? Some of you don't have a sense of humor in this church. Hey, what's wrong with you? That's very funny, actually. That's, you know, just being Jesus to people is much easier than we think because of the one who lives within us. It's just an expectation and looking for it. That's all it is. And uh, the one within us will do the rest. Just a couple of things before the youngsters come back in. Could we just stand? I want us to pray for Helen's sister and family. And we pray for John and Jenny as well. Father, we just lift up the family. Lord, we thank you that Helen's sister Liz is now with you. She wouldn't want to come back. But for Helen, her mum and the family, your grace and your mercy flow. Holy Spirit, you're the comforter. Will you comfort them and strengthen them at this time? And throughout this process, please lift up Jesus. And for John and Jenny at this time as well, all that they're going through, Father, let your grace and mercy and strength and comfort go to them. And you just... Bless them and keep them strong in you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.